walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody, settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the apron bump. My name's the hardest part of the ring, Kojima. Bro, I am. I'm. I'm. I'm almost two decades late on this, but I. I just. I just recently watched that. By the way, welcome to the Apron Bump. My name's Kyle. How are we? How are we doing, everybody? We're talking some Ring of Honor today, but that brings me to. I, I was just watching. That. Uh, that infamous, famous. CM Punk and Samoa Joe shoot interview from like 2005. I just watched it for the first time last night. <laughs> Somehow. I don't know why I've never, but God damn it. It's fantastic. I, I posted a clip on Twitter at apron bump of, uh, and it's relevant to the show ring of honor final battle 2003. Because it's, it's, it's kind of a famous clip of CM Punk doing a homicide impression. And the premise is that CM Punk is prank calling Gabe Sapolsky, who runs Ring of Honor, the booker of Ring of Honor. is pretending like homicides, backing out of his big match on this show against Satoshi Kojima. But it's Punk and it's it's a whole thing. It's a, it's a gag. Go check out the clip I tweeted or I X'd on uh Whatever the fuck we're calling that now. Um, Kojima, Larry. I've been, I've just been walking around my house. Just ambient. Just like be walking to the fridge to grab a Greek yogurt and just, oh, this yogurt is so delicious. All oh, the protein, Larry. It. <laughs> I'm probably the only one that thinks that's funny, but um, or maybe other people did in 2005. I'm just behind the eight ball there, but we do got Kojima versus Homicide on this show. We got a lot of all Japan on this show from 2003. It's a it's pretty much branded a Ring of Honor versus all Japan pro wrestling show. Half the show is just Ring of Honor. The second half is Ring of Honor versus all Japan. So we get to see guys like Kojima. We get to see some young dragons. We get to see the great Muda. There's a guy that wrestled sumo in the 70s. There's a guy who has an oh, it's a it's a cast of characters, let me tell you. Um, but as far as the usual cast of characters with Ring of Honor in 2003, it's actually a pretty big show. We got 
the, some blow-offs here. We got the blow-off, the finals of the Field of Honor tournament. We got Matt Stryker taking on BJ Whitmer. We uh, also got the blow-off of a feud that has been rumbling for a while in the timeline of Ring of Honor that, we're com- that we've been covering. Uh, John Walters versus Xavier in a fight without honor match. So it's a street fight, but uh, by golly, that blew my tits away. That was fantastic stuff. There's a lot of good stuff on this show. We got the Briscoes. We got Samoa Joe defending against Mark Briscoe. We got Brian Danielson versus Jay Briscoe. CM Punk's here. Colt Cabana, The Prophecy, new ma- a new faction has unfolded on this show, a very legendary fact, probably one of the, probably one of the biggest factions in Ring of Honor history begins on this show. So there's a lot of good stuff happening uh, amongst the other nonsense here, but lots to get into, lots of tomfoolery, and uh, I am not alone on this one. Brought in my resident all-Japan expert, at least among my friends, <laughs> Joseph Montecilio. Returning to the show. It's been a while since I had him on, but I had a great time with him covering TNA in 2005. Brought him back on to cover some Ring of Honor. He's very knowledgeable about all Japan, at least more so than I am. So it was good to have him kind of provide some context to not only the all Japan elements, but a lot of the Ring of Honor elements. And uh, we just have a silly fun time, which is what it's all about. So go check out Joseph. Uh, give him a follow on X, find him on YouTube, give him a subscribe ski on the old YouTubes, everything that you need from Joey Boy. Check out at josephmontecilio.com. I'll put all this information in the description below. Does a lot of really great YouTube content, like sets himself apart, in my opinion, from what everybody else is doing. Does a lot of a lot of like retrospective stuff. Lots of stuff. Like I said, Japan, but all over the world. He he covers wrestling all over the world, current day and old school. So he's a really good follow. Really good follow on YouTube, on X, on whatever the hell. So go do that. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you give me a follow as well at Apron Bump all across the board. X, Instagram. TikTok, YouTube, subscribe to the channel if you're not already. Leave a comment, give me a like, give me a tickle on the nipple. Do all those things. Hey, if you're coming into this cold Ring of Honor 2003, it's a very interesting timeline up until now. I've covered every show from the very first show all the way through 2002 and now all the way through 2003, approaching the year of 2004, which from what I've heard is action packed. So if you want to, you know, get on the train, get all the context of all the characters and all the storylines and all the hoo-ha and whatnot that we're talking about here, you can listen to the entire timeline if you go to apronbump.com and go to the episodes tab and you could select Ring of Honor and that'll bring you to all of the Ring of Honor shows that I've covered in chronological order. I'll put a link in the description as well. Check it out. It's always a fun time. <laughs> Early to mid-2000s indie wrestling is a trip, man. It's, let me be honest, 2002 was rough. 2003 was less rough, but still a lot of roughness. But <laughs> it's always fun talking about. It's always fascinating seeing a lot of these guys. I mean, look, I'm recording this just a few days after CM Punk returned to WWE at Survivor Series. And uh, so it's fun to kind of see his early stages here where he's feuding with the prophecy. He's like he's aligned with Colt Cabana, 
is weird in hindsight. He's on commentary on this show. We got a lot of stuff to talk about in terms of that. Um, but it's always a fun time. So go check out the timeline and all my other timelines that I covered. Please do that. Um, I think I've rambled enough. Let's get to the show, shall we? Ring of Honor. Final Battle 2003 with myself and Joseph Montecilio. Okay, yeah, yeah. What was that show? It was TNA something, right? Good old TNA 2005. I think it was... I don't know. They're all the same. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there was some Billy Gunn in there. Maybe a... There uh, was Billy Gunn, yes. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Jarrett was there, I'm sure. Uh, guitars, ref bumps, you know. Yeah, of course. I mean, all the goodness that you, you love from wrestling, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I read your, um, your Gargano Champa review earlier today. So you really love that match is what you're yeah, saying. It's the best match I've ever seen, <laughs> frankly. And I don't know how people live their lives without seeing such artistic beauty. Right. That's like the match you show people who aren't wrestling fans to convert them. hundred percent. Right? This is, like if, this is wrestling. If they don't get it, then they'll never get it after that. It's just a lost cause at that point. So absolutely. Wasted time, wasted energy. Everyone well, should go read that review, by the way. I definitely recommend it. What, what, where's, what's the link if you have it offhand? Uh, it's just on my site. It's josephmontecilia.com. And then there's a search bar. Just put in Gargano Champa. You'll find it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All your stuff's great, man. But uh, sorry there's no drone shots in the show that we're going to be talking about today. We'll have to, you know, we'll have to compromise with the rinky-dink production of <laughs> 2000's ROH. <laughs> so I believe uh, at one point you said you were pretty familiar with like 2004 Ring of Honor, but 2000, I mean, this is the end of 2003. Absolutely. So we're, yeah. we're pretty much there. But we're, are you familiar with like, I guess, this specific era in time in Ring of Honor at all? Uh, 2003 sort of escapes me. Those first two years are like a big blind spot. Uh, yeah. It's really around 2004 where my knowledge picks up. Um, so a lot of this I have like a vague idea about. But I don't really know firsthand or in depth. Don't bother going back and watching it. It's not worth it. <laughs> That's a big part of why I don't know. <laughs> there's Honestly. a few matches here and there that I'd I'd recommend to you, but I mean, there's not like, I mean, the Punk Raven stuff. Like some of that's of good. Most of it's kind of shit though. Like the dog collar match is is great, but everything yeah. else is kind of like, no, oh, I can take it or leave it. <laughs> um, but yeah, with this show here, final battle. Yeah, we got a uh, huge all Japan presence here, which I would say you are you're an expert. I would qualify you as an expert on all Japan, at least as far as I, people that I know. <laughs> sure. I mean, close <laughs> enough. Certainly not this era of all Japan, the post split 2000 stuff. But, mm -hmm. you know, I I've made my name off of their brand. So whatever. <laughs> hey, man, got your money's worth. Um, but yes, yeah, so like 2003 all Japan. That's not particularly a, a hot year for them, is it? Uh, I doubt it. Um, there was certainly a period after the 2000s where they did receive a little hype when Muda was coming in and when Kawada finally had his long dynastic reign. But mm. it's generally accepted that after 2000, it's never quite the same once Misawa leaves. Right. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I, I did recognize some of the names here, but... Um... <laughs> We'll get into it because there's some uh, there's some characters in the back half of the show that we'll get into, I'm sure. But and I don't know if you were aware, 
but the Japanese press is in attendance on this evening. You know, I wish somebody was there to tell me. <laughs> I wish. They should have brought it up at least once. <laughs> Did you, what do you think of CM Punk on commentary? I guess on commentary in general, what do you think of? Uh, I, I know he can be a lot. But I just sort of, I just sort of vibe with it. Um, it's that yeah. kind of like two thousands indie commentary where it's like half serious, half uh, mm-hmm. jokey the whole time. But I think what I enjoy the most about it is that it's at least super committed to the stories that it's right. telling, as opposed to like a lot of like modern maybe indie commentary where it can just be we're just talking whatever and oh, oh shit what was man. that oh man yeah, yeah oh. there's like a, there's a surprising amount of like oversight even when punk is like riffing on every single thing he's seeing you know right yeah and gabe spolsky who's the other voice on commentary although he was kind of limited on this show because i guess ray morrow is more um knowledgeable about, about the japanese stuff so it was a lot of it was Ray Morrow and CM Punk, but Gabe yeah. was the, the half of the first half. And he's always been like, he doesn't take breaths in his sentences. There's all just run on. Like He's very informative, to your point, which is like good. But it's like, maybe, maybe take it down a notch. And he's over the, like, 2002 was awful. It, it was almost like, it almost ruined <laughs> the show. Like, just the commentary. But he's, he's dialed it back slowly a little bit, but... Or maybe I've just gotten used to it, unfortunately. But it's probably you getting used to it. I don't think it's like no. awful by the time we reach two thousand four. But you can tell that he's very obviously the Booker, hitting <laughs> us over the head with the specific right. points he wants us to see. So you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's. I mean, I, I forget a lot. A lot of the stuff blends together in this era of Ring of Honor. So honestly, it's it's good that he beats us over the head with it. Because I mean, it's a one show a month ish. They're getting to the point now where it's like two a month, but there's a lot of time in between shows. So I can't blame him too much for that. But um, I don't know. But uh, overall, though, we'll we'll dive into the individual matches and stuff, of course. But overall, what'd you make of this show? I thought it was pretty decent. You know, it's not going to top any best ROH shows ever lists or whatever. Yeah. Um, I thought the ROH only half was definitely stronger than the ROH versus All Japan half. Yeah. And, you know, that that's just obvious. You know, they're telling their own stories instead of, like, showcasing stars from a different company. But, you know, it's fine. This isn't... This certainly isn't, like, bottom-of-the-barrel ROH or anything, you know. It's yeah. perfectly watchable show. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty easy watch. And, yeah, I would agree. Like, the second half... Because you get the first half is all Ring of Honor. The second half is Ring of Honor versus All Japan. The second half, definitely... It, it felt like a greatest hits thing type of definitely, thing to me. Yeah. Like, a, yeah, it's kind of like a showcase. No... We have the story heavy stuff in the in the first half and the back half is just oh let's bring in all Japan which I'm sure for Ring of Honor I mean they're less than two years in so a huge deal to have this kind of presence I mean with the Japanese media there of course so that's were they there I think the Japanese media was actually there I didn't I wasn't sure Um, yeah but I know Great Muda was there and you know to be fair to them Muda two years in is pretty cool for a small East Coast indie yeah. I mean the uh, the next best thing they've had at by this point is uh, Abdullah the Butcher, which uh, <laughs> okay. So settle the score right now. Who's better, Abdullah the Butcher or Great Muda? Oh man, <laughs> I know, I know. You think I might be doing a bit, 
but that's mm-hmm. actually a thinker. No, I because it's like you know what, what? what tastes better, onions or chocolate? Frankly, frankly, there are Abdullah the Butcher matches that I like way, way more than my mm. favorite Great Muda matches. You okay, know? that's like, reasonable. Yeah, the best Abdullah and the Sheik versus the Funks matches from the seventies are like mm-hmm. blow away great in a way that I don't love any Muda matches. So I'm actually going to take Abby here. That's fair. I mean, that's, you know, a question nobody's probably had to ponder before. So, I mean, I, I can respect <laughs> that. <laughs> there almost certainly is some message board nerd who's done a 10,000 mm. word piece about Abdullah <laughs> versus the great Muda. If you search for it, it will be there. And if there isn't, I'll be the first. Was it you, Joseph? Was it you? It may have been me. I cannot. I can neither <laughs> confirm nor deny. Got to go to the website to find out, brother. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, this show opens up. Well, it opens up with uh, Gary Michael Capetta uh, plugging his book. I guess he has a book, Body Slams. You ever read Body Slams? I can't say I have. Nobody has. Uh, but he's here. He's the you know general manager or whatever the hell. They're calling him the Carnage Crew's here. They're pissed. They want to fight Special K, which are you familiar with Special K at all? I've heard of them. Like, they're pretty omnipresent for a lot of the early 2000s ROH stuff. Yes. They they jump off things, man. (laughs) 2002, 2003 is riddled with these kids. Baggy shorts, bandanas, botchy moonsaults. That is their shtick, and they will (laughs) drive it home. Every so this I think this might be the first show where they have not had a match, which was surprising. Has um, it? Has it? Have they done the thing where Loki murders one of them yet, or is that yes. to happen? That was like probably like three months before this. Is, <laughs> yeah, they are I know that, hilarious to watch get beat up. I'll, I'll give oh, that. yeah, there is utility in people who just rock at completely eating shit. Yes. Oh, they, they've won me over, too. Like, I, I started out hating <laughs> yeah. these guys. Like, oh, why are these guys here again? But um, that they're just like a bunch of jackals. They're just shitty. They're, they're, they're shitheads, what they're trying to be portrayed as. And oh, they For sure. Gave us Jay Lethal, too, who was a part of them. <laughs> Which I don't <laughs> well, know if you were aware of that. but uh, There you there. go. I do. He's, he's what's it, Hydro? Hydra? One of the things, Hydro, right? yes. Yeah, yeah, of yeah, course. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, actually one of the things you have to look forward to is... Uh, Jay Lethal proving himself as more than an empty-headed druggie. Right. Yeah, he has a couple matches with Joe, right, at some point. For sure. Looking forward to that. But uh, before that, we got a little match here. Jay Briscoe versus Brian Danielson kicking off the show here. So I don't know if you looked at the card beforehand or not, but I mean, if you would have seen Brian Danielson on the card 2003, you might be thinking bald head. You might be thinking maroon tights. You might be thinking final countdown, but that is not what we got here. It's the same guy, but um, we're still in the, uh, was it the offspring? That's right. Yeah. What do you think of this this iteration? I guess this iteration of both Brian Danielson and Jay Briscoe here. Brian is on the cusp of becoming like truly next Mm -hmm. level great. Like he's not quite there yet. There's a few, uh, there's a few more threads he has to put together. I think in the year after this, he's going to do an extended tour of uh, the British uh, camp circuit. Mm -hmm. 
And he credits a lot of that to how he figured out like crowd work and getting people emotionally invested in matches. And we're like, we're seeing the start of that. Like, uh, I'm sure you've already covered main event spectacles. He had that thing where he yeah. completely roasted a dude in the crowd. <laughs> uh, yes. So we're, we're about to get more of that as we get into 2004. But for now, he's mm-hmm. still like, super just mechanically crisp and just absurdly technically proficient for someone this early in his career. And it's about to take the next step. For sure. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, the nuts and bolts are there. You could tell that it's a beautiful piece of clay just waiting to be molded. And um, yeah, I know at this point he just got back from Europe. I don't know if he goes back again. Maybe he Mm. does. Um, he also, I think it's a tour of Japan as well. He in Ring of Honor, he hasn't been in a lot of Ring of Honor shows in 03. Um, but he's putting together his uh, his tool set, I guess, and it all pays off for sure in 04. But, um, and Jay Briscoe here, there he's uh, one half of the tag champs, of course, with his brother. They, um, so the thing here, so Jim Cornette, of course, because when you think of Ring of Honor, you think of Jim Cornette, uh, he's here. Managing the Briscoe, he's not here, but you know he's in previous shows. He's aligned himself with the Briscoes, and the the Briscoes have kind of adopted this more heel, just kind of brawler style. And um, Jay here in this match, and Mark later, kind of it's kind of a similar deal here. Is they're they're underdogs, but they're kind of scrappy. Jay, I feel I feel like he kind of feels outclassed here technically by Brian Danielson, but he comes back with the chops and the strikes and the kicks and all that stuff. I thought this was a pretty solid match. Nothing to really, you know, write home about per se, but I thought it, was, it had good energy to it and it was a fun way to start the show. What do you think about it? Yeah, I thought it was very good. Um, one of the things I really like about this particular era of the indies is uh, it always surprises me how like organically the matches tend to develop. Um, mm-hmm. Even if they don't become like great, great, they unfold in really natural and like easy to watch ways so, like here where dragon's trying to control the arm but jay tries to slow him down with the headlock and it just steadily builds um i thought it was a really good opener um probably not the best that we could have had from these two like if at some other point they would have had a singles match or something mm-hmm. um but yeah very good match it's a great way to open the show and uh Chris Lovey's basically telling us this is what we can expect from that soon-to-come pure division uh, that everyone will unanimously love. (laughs) (laughs) Did you? uh, Because yeah, the pure title was announced on commentary during this match. I'm I'm very loosely familiar with it. I don't. I can't say I've seen a lot of it. Was it uh, not not to your liking? Actually, I quite like the pure title. I like. I like mm-hmm. the idea of it and the stipulations. Um, I think it makes for an interesting way for people to work with the rules and create like interesting stories with that. Um, but it was definitely, at the time, a very divisive thing among fans. People found it contrived and overcomplicated. But, you know, with all the time that separated from it, 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 it circled back around to nostalgia, where people mm-hmm. were like, hey, remember the Pure Division? No, pretty good. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, divisive at the time, but uh, sort of nostalgia has won the day when it comes to the pure division. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that because like when when pro wrestling becomes too too sports centric, it can kind of uh, 
go against what pro wrestling is supposed to be as the storytelling and the just the larger than life characters. When you put the rules and the points or whatever the hell, I can definitely see it being contrived. But I think it's a good little wrinkle. It's something that makes Ring of Honor. It gives them a little differentiation among all the other indies and other companies in general. And they've been building like a pure division, which is like your Matt Strikers, your BJ Whitmers, like those undercard guys that are really good technically, but maybe haven't developed much of a character. So this division, I guess, is in theory, it makes sense, giving these guys something to fight for. And Ring of Honor could use a secondary title at this point. So, well, don't tell Um, Joe that. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck this. I don't need it. (laughs) Got to carry carry baggage all the time. He gets so mad about every other belt it's so funny it's such a great story <laughs> he's like what do you mean you need another belt i'm right here right it's so good <laughs> um but more on joe later but uh before that weirdly in the number two position on this card we got a fight without honor match super G- weird right you're right it's super weird to have it here right because like I mean, you know, the guys that play John Walters and Xavier, like if it was a normal match, you're like, yeah, all right, I get it. But this is a this is a match that they've been building for months. And what would unfold in this match? I mean, this could have easily been the main event if they wanted it to be. I thought it was I thought this match is awesome. What do you think about it? Uh, I do like the crazier spots. Uh, they do some ridiculous things to each other that uh that sunset flip power bomb off the ladder dude i was like when they were setting that up i was like yeah they're not gonna that's no they're not gonna do because they set up this mangled ladder in the corner Mm -hmm. laying across the ropes and then there's a huge ladder set up in the middle and they're both climbing to the top. It's like, is he going to superplex them onto that? And there's always oh, going to power bomb, but it was still felt kind of, it ended up looking kind of wonky, but it looked brutal, which is pretty much the story of this match. So I guess they accomplished what they set out to. Yeah. I like the wonkiness actually, because it made it look grosser. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I think I didn't quite love this match because I didn't, it, it felt like it had like, uh, an identity crisis almost a little mm. tone tonal issues like they were still trying to do a lot of like wrestling spots towards the start uh before they like let let go of that and just go full crazy mm-hmm. um but yeah otherwise there's some really good stuff in here man like the when Xavier does the double leap springboard to Arabian moonsault he's a crazy man. yeah it's nuts. Like if you're if if you're just trying to have a good time and watch dudes do like ridiculous things to each other, it, it's a good time. Like I can't knock it yeah. too much. Oh yeah, this this is just dumb fun for sure. You're not getting your uh, <laughs> your. I mean, it, it's it's a story that's been told in the sense that you know over the past few months, because John Walters is like the purest of pure, just technical wrestler. Let's just get in there, shake hands, and headlock each other. And then Xavier's the kind of for lack of a better term, like a WWE-esque type of guys with the prophecy who they're all about, you know, interference and low blows and ref bumps, which is what Ring of Honor is trying not to be. So it's a clash of styles in that sense. But ultimately, they're two good technical wrestlers. So to me, I was fine with the technical wrestling in the beginning because that's what John Walters thrives in. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, they just hate each other so much. John Walters has been losing to Xavier pretty much every match they've had. Xavier, he'll win with like a low blow or a roll up with the tights, just kind of nefarious ways like that. So they've just scrapped the rules all together and fight without honor. 
and um, it's not too long before like chairs start being pulled out and ladders. Uh, and then during like the first couple minutes, Prince Nana comes out. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I haven't seen him in Ring of Honor since early O2 when he was a wrestler. We're um, in the money now. <laughs> He swerves when he drives, I hear. <laughs> Can I just say that please with all my issues of AEW now and just through their company run, uh, it has been so worth it to see Prince Nana become like yep. a fixture on American mainstream wrestling TV. I'm so happy for that guy. And um, yeah, yeah it, it, it was a trip going back. To see him now, uh, like at the here at the genesis of the embassy, and to think yes. that that's like that's a thing that has a legacy on TV now is mm-hmm. insane. It's it, yeah, it really is. I mean, Nana first of all looks the same t- today. Maybe it's just the low res of this. Sure event, does. But pretty much <laughs> looks the same. Has that same charisma that we all know and love. And I agree. Seeing him on the mainstream stage finally is is great to see um but we see here like you said the genesis of him as a manager the embassy which you know is, is kind of aftermath here but it's kind of embedded within the match too because he comes out and nobody he hasn't been involved with either of these guys at all before this show so he's kind of a mystery on the outside until i think it's he like pulls out a ladder and slides it to xavier so like, oh, okay i guess he's with xavier now um kind of an anticlimactic way to let let the crowd know that, but it's whatever. Um, but the scrappiness to this match, I mean, like Walters hits Xavier with an Alabama slam onto the ladder. That's like set up on the corner <laughs> yeah. through the ladder. This isn't a WWE. It's held together by bubblegum ladder. This is a, a ladder. They probably just pulled from the hardware store next 100%. door. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, this, this, just cut in half ladder that's hanging on by a thread. Walters, he just tosses it over the top rope at Xavier. So there's like just the in-between stuff I really liked. It made it feel a little rough around the edges. Um, but by God, they they go for this bridge. They they try to bridge the ladder between the ring and the go and the uh ringside barricades. And I think it's Walters gets set up on it. Yeah. But of course, because the ladder is destroyed, it doesn't hold him. Um, so he kind of just crumples <laughs> and then he, they do it again. And somehow Xavier is able to kind of gingerly put him on top of it and does that crazy spot that you mentioned where Xavier jumps from the corner to the middle of the ropes, springboard, Arabian moonsault, whatever the hell through this ladder through, uh, Walters. I mean, that could have gone wrong in so many ways, but I think it ended up about as good as it could have been. It looked great. It looked excellent. Yeah. That's Xavier. I mean, he was very prominent in these first couple of years. He would just try shit. Sometimes. It didn't always work, but he was always down to try something. <laughs> if, he would, if he thought of it, he would do it. Um, but uh, got some more chair spots after that. Hurricane DDT from Walters on a chair. It looked pretty brutal. We got some color from mm-hmm. Xavier. He's a he's a gusher at this point. That surfboard with the chair is pretty gnarly, though, I will say. Oh, yeah. I, I, I didn't even note that one down, but it did look good. Yeah. Mixing the wrestling and the brutality. So 
And you got Xavier doing a 450 off the top rope to the outside through a table onto Jesus Walter. So Christ. it's that's what this match is. It's big yeah, spot yeah, after yeah. big spot. It's <laughs> it's a good Big Mac is basically what this is. Um, some moves off the top rope, the kiss your ex goodbye off the top rope, which is like a pump handle face buster. Another thing that could have gone so wrong, but looks so smooth. Backstabbers off the ladder, but ultimately... They uh they do the spot we discussed earlier, the sunset power bomb off the ladder through the other ladder in the corner. And uh who even wins? Oh, John Walters wins yes. after after that and uh finally gets his win over Xavier and then uh Prince Nana grabs the mic afterwards because Walters, god damn it, he wants a handshake. He he mm-hmm. loves a good handshake. And uh Nana grabs the mic, he's like, hey, well, hold on a second. And you know he Tight does Nana stuff. And he basically he announces the embassy is a new faction. And then the first member is Xavier. Xavier previously was a member of the Prophecy, who was a faction comprised of Daniels, Dan Moff, some other people who uh, they don't like handshakes. So this, is, a, this, it, is, yeah. this is the they hate hands, I think. Uh, this, is a, this is the first for Xavier allowed to shake somebody's hand the first time in a while. So yes. now a member of the embassy, Xavier, first ever member, which I had no clue of, which is a fun little fact. Um, and yeah, it's a prophecy. No more for Xavier, and just a, f- a fun little match. I thought. Um, but after that, we got some Field of Honor to talk about. <laughs> you big Field of Honor guy? No. <laughs> <laughs> but the stakes, Joseph. The oh stakes God, of, this, yeah. of this tournament. The future of the company. The guaranteed the- <laughs> future ROH World Champions in the Field of Honor. You don't like the the vague stakes that this tournament has. <laughs> the, oh man, Gabe the, would do anything for every match to have some kind of stakes. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. It's the. I best. mean, I appreciate the attempt, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe have this be for the pure title. Maybe because that's kind of what this tournament was was a lot of pure style wrestlers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In retrospect, though, maybe no. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't given know. who's in the finals, maybe we dodged a bullet on that. <laughs> yeah, okay, look, I like me some Matt Striker. All right, I love his sure. stupid unibrow. I love his homeless <laughs> haircut. Oh, it's all great. Oh man, um, I wish I cared even a little bit about this match. Matt Striker—he has a unibrow. Okay, BJ Whitmer—he's—he has muscles. Yeah, and and a knee brace. Let's not forget he has a knee brace. Yes. Yeah, by the way, I don't know if you heard. BJ came into this with a fever of over a hundred degrees. Oh, did you get that tip from the Japanese media? Yeah. <laughs> 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 that, that's why they're so crucial to the show. You know, yes, for me, for sure. But yeah. Commentary says that both guys are banged up. I guess Matt Stryker popped his shoulder out the night before doing God knows what. BJ. Not only does he have a knee brace from a previous injury, I guess he had what they say elbow um, chips, bone chips, chips in his elbow, yeah, bone chips yeah. in his elbow, yeah, and and a fever and a flu and apparently there was a big flu in two thousand three. I don't really remember. But apparently, like I don't, I never heard of that at all. I don't know if it hit you guys, but uh, maybe it was just an American thing. But for sure. Um. But yeah, so both guys are just banged up and sick and bland. So. Not a, not exactly a recipe for a great match. I think Certainly these guys not. have a good match in them, 
this was not that. <laughs> it was, no, uh, yeah. See, look, I, th- I think they were going for like a technical classic yeah. type of thing. I just don't think there was ever like any climax or any like drama to it. It was just mechanic, just a mechanics match. And I didn't personally, I was kind of whelmed by it, maybe underwhelmed. Sure. But I don't know. What do you what do you think of it? No, yeah, it's a leg and arm match, which uh, yeah. in the hands and legs of others, I would love a lot. Uh, but nah, this is just kind of it just sort of happens. <laughs> it just all is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I they did try. You know, there's clearly an attempt to make it sort of distinct from what else mm-hmm. is on the show. Uh, it just didn't particularly uh, leave an impression on me. Yeah, Matt Stryker, and I've said this before, it's like Matt Stryker's trying to be what Brian Danielson just organically is, I think. And he's just a less flashy version. Not flashy, but you know, just a less compelling version of Brian Danielson. For sure. Like, even before Brian really puts together all the character stuff, there's like an innate spark there that yeah. you just can tell you just can tell like there are levels to this and it becomes mm. extremely clear when you're watching a card that has both brian danielson and matt striker <laughs> yeah i mean yeah there's there is a such thing as in in ring charisma like people For like sure. charisma people think charisma is just oh let me get on the mic and hit, hit, hit you with some riddles no brian danielson even if he's not talking he'll just the way he looks into the crowd and just soaks everything even at this point he's super good at 100%. it 100 percent. So. yeah and then BJ uh, has muscles, so. Um, <laughs> he is horse-like, I am told. <laughs> See, CM Punk, I guess we'll touch on this more a little bit later, but CM Punk does not like BJ Whitmer. I don't know if you got that through the commentary. I, I don't know. I'm not sure, honestly. Uh, but yeah, CM Punk, for just, just to mention it as well, CM Punk is all over the commentary of the first half of the show and the second half, and he's basically threatening the whole time that he's going to, He's going to ruin the show. He's going to ruin the show unless he finds out who took Lucy out. And that's sort of his character motivation uh, throughout Final Battle 03. Were you on the edge of your seat waiting to see who attacked Lucy in Dayton? Oh, I, it, it, it's the big mystery, man. This is the season finale for ROH 2003. Who shot Lucy? <laughs> <laughs> so, I... I can't, I'm watching. I'm watching all these shows. I can't tell if it's a gag or if yeah. they're being sincere with it because it was like the a few Lucy months thing? ago. Yeah, because Lucy got attacked. She was on camera, right? She was in a group. She was a member of the Second City Saints with Punk and Cold mm-hmm. and Ace Steel and all that. She was on camera. They were cutting a promo and they walked off. And then somebody attacked her from behind. The camera falls down, and then I don't know if they killed her or if she's in a coma or but apparently it's very serious and, and punk will not rest until he finds out who, who did this dastardly deed to Lucy. And it was, <laughs> I can't remember. I don't think it was the month before this, but it was maybe two or three months before this punk was also on commentary and he would like enter the ring after every match and ask each person in the match if they attacked Lucy, which I I'm guessing people probably thought he ruined the show there. So I think that's like what they're alluding to with ruining mm, the show. I see. But I, again, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too much into it. Maybe they're just popping themselves. I don't know. No, it's hard to tell because, uh, Sapolsky was very online and very mm. like sensitive and like reactive mm, to the ROH yeah. fan base. 
Um, I don't know when the official ROH forums opened up, but he was on there like reading everything. So yeah. you can sort of track it through these shows that he is uh, correcting in real time if he feels there's a particular criticism or mm-hmm. something that came up. Like he would either be def- be on the defensive or actively trying to explain or correct it to fans. So no, entirely yeah. possible that that was a thing. For sure. And that's even just come through in his commentary. Like when Xavier was the champion, mm-hmm. I guess I'm, I guess people in the forums weren't a fan of Xavier as the world champion with everybody else that was coming through Ring of Honor. And you would hear Gabe on commentary be like, oh, yeah, people are talking down on Xavier, but he's proven to be a great champion and like things like that. So yeah, <laughs> you're spot on there yeah. for sure. Um, oh, by the way, Matt Stryker wins. Good for him. Um, next match <laughs> we got. <laughs> No, he wins. He wins the field of honor. I don't know what comes of it. I know Matt Stryker isn't too long for the wrestling world, at least in the the great the, the great spotlight. But we'll see. I know he has like a world title shot at some point. But oh yeah, thrilling. <laughs> it's, it's not on your top of uh, top five list of all time. You know, I haven't checked in a while. Uh, maybe I just haven't done the tape study. But there you go. No, oh, I bet you Matt Stryker works the hell out of Joe's leg at some point. <laughs> Maybe a spinning toe hold or two. Oh, man. Let's go. Let's go, Matt. Give it to me. He'll be the one. (laughs) Speaking of Joey Samoe, he's here next in the first half main event. I guess you could call it. Uh, Samoe Joe defending his Ring of Honor World Championship against Mark Briscoe. So so the Joe, Joe and the Briscoes have been feuding for a little bit. Jim Cornette came in initially. He was kind of looking for his next big prospect. And initially it was Samoa Joe. So Joe and Cornette were aligned for a, a second, which is just funny to say. That is super um, weird to think about. I didn't even know that was an angle. It was it was barely. A th- I mean, it was it wasn't very present, but it was like a one show, maybe two show thing. Sure. Um, but he eventually he turns on Joe, hits him with the racket. Mm. And the Briscoes attack. They attack. They all attack him like a bunch of dogs. And um Joe ended up defending his title against Jay a few months ago and actually a really good match. Um, I forget which event exactly, but that was a great match between those two. Um, and then there was a tag team title match. The Briscoes took on Joe and AJ Styles, where Mark Briscoe actually pinned Samoa Joe, surprisingly, which is why we are here with Mark Briscoe getting a title shot. I mean, my my main takeaway here is Samoa Joe just has this final boss energy that is so rare. And it's just so fun to watch. No, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Um, at the start of the DVD, there's actually the I, I think he says it's the first. I'm not sure. It's the first Samoa Joe's ring where Joe will just take some jobber in the locker room and fucking beat him up for five minutes before the show (laughs) starts. It rules. There's a bunch of them in 04 that are also incredible. Oh, that's a running thing. That is sensational news. Oh, thank you. Did you not know? I thought it was just a thing. He Because he had the beginning of the show. He was like, all right, there's a new segment called Joe's Ring. And then he kicks the shit out of Omen Tortuga, I believe it was. I won't give away too much, but it continues. And it becomes even better when Joe's rivals start becoming part of the segment and fantastic that's all i'll say it's great every (laughs) time um but yeah yeah, samoa joe in 2003 as the roh world champion he's like 
man, talk about someone who is approaching a peak in pro wrestling. Because oh, yeah. when we get it, like, he's already great, to be clear. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're going to be moving into 04, 05, Joe. And that's just pure insanity in terms of quality. Um, but, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's definitely Joe, similar to Brian Danielson. It's been a, a slow ascent to what he would end up being. Because, like, you know, the first half of the year, he's having, like, okay matches against, like, BJ Whitmer's, your uh, Xavier's, your Dan. Like, there's some, some there's some good matches in there. But it's, like... There's like a spark that I'm waiting for. And I think we're, we're approaching it. Just his mystique that he has at this point is just, um, I mean, he was making Mark Briscoe his bitch pretty much. Yeah. This entire sure. match. And th- th- this Briscoe's feud against like Joe and friends uh, is, uh-huh. is just, it's like the start of a really big thing in 04 where uh, Joe, Joe's really mad that other people have belts. <laughs> As he, he should be. He does not like it in the slightest and he is extremely pissed off about it um i think i noted somewhere here that the the briscoes are the heels of this feud right so i kept forgetting i it so they're supposed to be yes yeah but also joe is such a prick to them like Mm -hmm. he can be such an asshole but he does it in such a cool way that it's like Okay, no, you're the hero. Yeah. Like you're you're too cool to deny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very like I mean, as far as like American wrestling, you didn't haven't really seen that a lot. That kind of oh, anti-hero is probably not not the right word. Maybe it is, but yeah, if you if you like just came into this match cold with no context of any of the story, you would think that Mark Briscoe is the the plucky underdog babyface. And Joe is this evil, menacing champion. But in reality, it's Mark Briscoe's kind of just the, a cornet puppet, essentially. Yeah. There's a few segments and promo backstage deals where, you know, somebody will come up to one of the Briscoes and be like, hey, I want a tag team title shot. And then I think it was Jay earlier who was like, we only do what Jim Cornette tells us to do. So they're basically yeah. just they're his lapdog for the time being, I guess. Um. But yeah, Joe, I mean, the the, the kicks, the, the palm, he, the, when he would just like do the rapid palm strike slaps and then yeah. like an enziguri to tap to top it all off is just such a fun thing to watch. Yeah, he beats the shit out of Mark in this match. And uh, this week, especially, I was thinking about it, how Mark Briscoe in these situations where he's in like extremely deep waters against a mm-hmm. top dog style wrestler is excellent like this week when we're recording this is when we got uh mark briscoe versus john moxley mm-hmm. which is a match of a similar flavor um i think joe was a little better than mox was in that match here uh because he really puts the hurting on mark like it is it is a struggle for mark to get anything in and it feels mm-hmm. like such a big deal uh when he does um i wanted to ask you if you (laughs) i don't watch sports uh so when joe pulled out a phone and started celebrating (laughs) hitting the olay kick and commentators were like that's a thirty thousand dollar fine i had to ask friends what that was a reference (laughs) to (laughs) and i I wanted i want to say you knew so that sounds familiar to me. I can't say that I'm very familiar. I believe it was Terrell Owens, a wide receiver. I think it was, I don't remember what goddamn football team it was, but it was a point where, you know, people were getting fined for extra 
just really extra Celebration. celebrations. Yeah. yeah. So I guess it was a thing. I assume it happened similar in this time period, but yeah, apparently, it really... and it was someone did the digging for me, and it was like, yeah, it was a thirty thousand dollar fine because he got on his phone with his dad or something, and it was like. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris Lovey Topical. is here to let us know that in ROH we don't do that kind of thing. If you're if you're pissed off at the NFL, you come to ROH, man. We'll take care of you. I like because the Venn diagram between Ring of Honor fans and NFL fans. I mean, there's so much blend and people picking <laughs> one or the other, right? It was the original Wednesday night or whatever Sunday night wars. Um, but yeah, so that was a thing. Ole kicks and uh, yeah, because Mark Briscoe spends a lot of this match like almost <laughs> trying to avoid Joe because like yes. it starts off really quick. You know, Joe just like right out the gates um, tries to do his Ole kick, which is, you know, on the outside. He runs across the ring and kicks him into the barricade, which makes a hilarious loud sound. I don't know what these barricades are made of, um, but Mark avoids it once the second time. I think Jay pulls him out of the way, but Joe's yes. able to. At some point, hits a suicide dive on a J, takes him out, finally hits the Ole on Mark Briscoe. And then from there, it's kind of just the, the march to the end of this match. You know, Mark tries to, you know, exchange strikes, but Joe just comes <laughs> with those, like, I don't even know which is. It's like a big bear coming at him. Yeah. You you see the sweat fly when Joe's yes. getting a dude. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Potato City, some may say, but... Uh, Mark throwing out some good suplexes, some German suplexes, a back suplex, which is kind of, I don't know, I, I watched this match like not too far before I watched the, the Moxley Mark mm-hmm. Briscoe match. And do you think Mark Briscoe's style today has, has changed a lot from what he is here? I think so, actually. Like if I was watching, uh, because I was like mentally comparing the Mox match and this one. Yeah. Um, and I feel like Mark's gotten even better at oh, yeah. selling and drawing the crowd in like that's a skill that he really fine-tuned with time that's just sort of like that's just like veteran experience that's the kind of thing you just learn by doing it forever and ever mm. um but obviously here he has like the advantage of a lot of more youthful energy he's coming at it really hard the pace is with him but um if he had that same sense of timing now, that sort of like really emotionally expressive um, aspect to him, which is not mm. to say that he didn't have it then, but it's just really aged so beautifully. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, he's, he's, he's 18 he's here, by the way. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. Like he was like, wasn't he wrestling under like masks other places? Yes. Because... Legally, he could not <laughs> wrestle. The, the first yet. year in Ring of Honor, he couldn't wrestle in Pennsylvania. But when they went to Boston, right. he could wrestle, which is like mm. was his first Ring of Honor match. He was seventeen facing his brother, who was eighteen, which is insane. Just this era of indie wrestlers is full of just crazy prodigies, yeah, who picked it up so fast and basically went on to define an entire generation of wrestling. It's insane. Yeah, I mean tag team wrestling specifically even i mean we're just at the start of what goes on to be arguably one of the best teams of all time yep um and define ring of honor for sure but as singles both these guys held their own on this show and ultimately i mean i love the finish joe just like i don't even know what you call it. he like grabbed mark by the back of the head and just pulled him down face first 
hit him with some brutal knees to the top of the head and just gets on top of him and chokes him out. Mark passed. It just felt very savage. Yeah. This finish. And um, yes, Joe gets the win and continues his reign. Yes. Big (laughs) shot. Big (laughs) shot. We're building to that eventual Matt Matt Striker match. Yeah. Matt Striker is going to unseat Samoa Joe. I'm sorry for the spoilers to all the fans of the podcast, but it's going to be Matt Striker. And you need to look out for it. You mean the you mean the 2003 Field of Honor champion match striker? That's that's the setup, man. Why else would you do Field of Honor? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I hear when you win the Field of Honor, you go on to big things and stuff. It's, and an, it's an insta. It's this is the G1 of the Indies. Man. Oh, I see. I was unfamiliar. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, this was probably my match of the night. Uh, I don't know which one you preferred, or if you want to talk about it at the end of the show. Uh, uh, but this was definitely mine. Um. Uh, just the just the the guy that just likes car crashes in me loved mm-hmm. the Walters Xavier match, but sure. I, I really did enjoy this world title match for sure. I really liked uh, a match we'll talk about a little bit later with a guy okay, cool. by the a, a phenomenal gentleman, maybe. Oh, um, Hanma. Oh yeah, <laughs> of course the phenomenal one, Hanma. <laughs> or what was the guy Arashi? Oh, we're just, yeah, we're just, Arashi. We're just teasing for yeah. the future. Um, but, but in this main event, maybe what's even more significant is what happens in the aftermath. A little man. I don't know if you've heard of him. Phil Brooks comes out. Mr. CM Punk. Who's this? Just like, I I don't know. I've never heard of him. He has long blonde hair and shorts. Looks like it looks like a bum, but, uh, CM Punk, who was on commentary comes out, decides now is his opportunity to ruin the show and the climax of the world title match. You got to go out there. Well, it's after the match. He eventually comes out. And uh, they have a little face to face. So now Punk and Joe have had a match before this. It was a yes. non-title match, um, but it wasn't, you know, near the level of the trilogy. Right. It was three matches they would end up having. Uh, well, I guess four now. Right. Or how many matches in AEW did they have? Two, they had two more. In yeah. AEW, yeah. Um, but Punk comes out and Joe's like, the hell are you doing in my ring, buddy? I just won the world or I defended the world title this is my time. You don't disrespect my belt. Get, yeah, I think he says, get the fuck out of my ring. And then Punk says, no, you get out of my ring. And Joe's like, no, you get out of my ring. And then Punk like saunters back. And then he like gingerly gets to the floor. And then Joe leaves. And then Punk gets right back in. He's like, yeah, I told you. It's so, so it was, funny. <laughs> it's so good. The timing of it all was fantastic. It's actually like a really great uh, like picture of what their dynamic is in this. Yes. And it's, it's, actually, it's actually like a really strong application of like, how to do these kinds of characters in a wrestling angle. Like mm. Punk will talk the biggest game and Joe just has to push back the smallest bit and he will fold. And it's great. Right. That aura that Joe has, man, it's, it's undeniable. But let me ask you this. How familiar are you with the prophecy? I know that they don't like handshakes. Um... <laughs> You're pretty much there. You're pretty much there at that point. <laughs> they, um, so I, I briefly touched on it earlier. Yeah, they're, they're the faction. They go against the code of honor. So they don't do the handshakes. They, 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 they will do interferences and all that shit. So which, and this is all run by Christopher Daniels, mm-hmm. who um, is there with Allison Danger and uh, Dan Moff as well. They come out and they brawl with, I think it's CM Punk. No, it's, or is it yes. Joe? Do they, they start fighting Joe first? Or, or no, Punk? no, Joe, Joe's out of there and it, Punk, basically accepts the brunt of the right. action here. 
So they all beat up on Punk, which uh, forces Colt Cabana, his uh, second city saint and brother, which is just a funny dynamic in hindsight. Mm-hmm. Um, Colt comes out to try to even the odds, and he eventually does. Dude, he, he, he brings a towel with him. He wraps the towel around Allison Danger's face and whips her into the corner. I cannot use words to describe how <laughs> violent this looked. Yeah. But good Lord. Yeah, for sure. Um, then Punk starts choking her with a towel. Now, you got to remember, Punk is still upset about Lucy. I don't know he's not crazy. He's, he's still looking for who attacked Lucy. And he thinks he has theorized that it's the prophecy that is up to this wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. So basically, Christopher Daniels is tied up in the ropes. Colt's holding him there. Punk has danger wrap. He has her throat wrapped in this towel. And Punk's like, look, eye for an eye, buddy. You, I'm going to kill her. He says he's, he's going to murder he her. He says kill. He says kill. Like, I don't yes. think we should glance over the fact that in this era of indie wrestling, uh, murder threats were made like oh, this yeah. is not the only one like especially during like matches like commentary would not hesitate to be like right people might die you might watch someone die tonight like that's a thing i mean we were we're fresh off the heels off of that barbed wire match between steve carino and homicide oh. where <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think the finish involved barbed wire to the throat so right yes that's it's something they are very comfortable with at this point um, so yeah, murder here. Uh, CM Punk is going to kill Alice in danger unless Christopher Daniels admits that the prophecy attacked Lucy. And then Daniels says, okay, fine. It was us. It was the prophecy. <laughs> but let me tell you something. It was not Daniels. It was not no. Dan Moff. It was no. not Alice in danger. Who, no. who else could it be? Who is the secret know, mystery addition to the prophecy? It's, it's got to be some, it's got Muda maybe, or someone equally as electric or charismatic, somebody that could really take the prophecy to the next level. Who other than B.J. Whitmer? Horse. <laughs> Horse, mm-hmm. indeed. <laughs> My prophecy for a horse was that that's been their plan all along. Like that's what they've been <laughs> prophesizing, I suppose. Oh, DJ shot Lucy. Oh, he, he shot her. He shot her with a gun. I, I was unaware this was an she's assassination. Dead. She's she's a she dead be, person. <laughs> that's very unfortunate. You, you hate oh, to see it. Man, well, I guess oh. I guess CM Punk's reaction was warranted. Um, yeah, BJ Whitmer in the prophecy was like, you know what? You got a guy who needs something, throw yes. him in an evil faction. Let's see what happens. I get it. But yeah. um, I don't know, I guess we got a punk versus BJ Whitmer match to look forward to, huh? You know what you've got to look forward to is how hard ROH tries with BJ Whitmer for years. <laughs> I mean, he was doing <laughs> stuff in 2014, I think, wasn't he? You're you're not escaping this dude for years we're well into like peak era roh super indie everyone's best in the world and (sighs) roh is still working on bj whitmer and i just want to lay that path out for you here (laughs) that this is what you have to look forward to is years and years of trying and trying with bj whitmer (laughs) So you're saying that B.J. Whitmer is like a modern day Sonata. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah. I could see they it. Will, they will not stop <laughs> trying with this dude. I swear. It goes on so much longer than you think. Yeah. That's terrible news. I really <laughs> wish you wouldn't have told me that because now I'm very sad. <laughs> uh, but a, a, a particular wrinkle of the story here that needs to be mentioned is Please. that Dan Moff has been very insistent uh, that the prophecy was not involved in the attack on Lucy. He has mm-hmm. on multiple occasions sworn on his father's grave to Punk's face that mm. uh, this is not the case. And he seems as surprised as anybody that B.J. Whitmer is uh, at the root of the problem and that it was under prophecy orders. I, I, I don't know why Daniels didn't clue Moff in, you know? I mean, it's, I think Moff might have, a, might have a bone to pick here, but... Oh, well. Who I knows? Know. It's, it's still a mystery. It's still an ongoing story, but yes, as you said, Moff is none too pleased. Uh, they were in the same field of honor block. You know, so I mean, and when you're in a field of honor block together, you kind of you go through wars, as they say. That means something, man. That's they, they <laughs> of legend of the things of legend, the field of honor in 2003. It is so hard to talk about the field of honor with a straight face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were trying, I guess. But uh, yeah, BJ's in the prophecy and that's a uh, thing that happened. So. Which uh, brings us to intermission. We got old Gary Micah Capetta backstage with the Briscoes. Mm. So we're building to, I guess, the next show. It's going to be the Briscoes defending against Joe and a partner of his choosing, which I think that at some point they mentioned it's Brian Danielson, which makes sense considering it was Jay versus Brian in the beginning. So, Um, so that's a thing. Carnage crew. They're here. They're still looking for special K. Apparently, uh, Tony uh, DeVito says that, that Special K got to his family. Yeah, family's involved now. Which, uh, I guess we could just mention it now. At the end of the show, I guess his daughter, who's like, what, 14? I was like half paying attention. Did, did one of the Special K guys like get to her and bring her out to a party? Yeah, they took her to a rave and got her like super high. On, and sh- on, on X. X. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He slipped her some X. And she came home looking like hell. <laughs> All while he has like a blue band-aid yeah. on his forehead. Like, what are we doing here? The 2000s were a weird time, man. It like, was something. <laughs> people was. like to talk about ROH, the era of honor, technical wrestling, <laughs> pure wrestling. And no, man, sometimes sometimes Special case slipped someone some X. And that Dude. was the story. <laughs> I mean, this is, I mean, we've seen low key take, uh, he, he fake taked X during a match with Special <laughs> I K. I never he, knew that. No, he, he puts it in his mouth, or he like pretends to put it in his mouth, and then he like starts like, oh, and then like the lights start flickering. The lights start flickering, no. and then he like unveils that he never took it. He like throws it on the mat and just kills them all like by himself. <laughs> so. I've never seen that. I'll, uh, oh my god! I'll try to reference you a clip or, uh, or at least the oh show that it was on because it is. Yeah, yeah. The that, era that of honor begins. <laughs> Always ready. Or whatever Loki sounds like. That's um, so good. Oh man, it's not. It's actually very bad. 
no, yeah, 2002 Ring perfect. of Honor. They were uh, to say they were working the kinks out would be generous. So. Finding their voice, as yeah. some might say. Yeah. So, yeah, some may say. Well, don't worry because we got to, to, Tamaki Hanma and Kazushi Miyamoto. The ph- <laughs> <laughs> I hope you just always think of that whenever you see Hanma's name. It's just stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's them versus the Second City Saints in the first of four ROH versus All Japan matches. Yep. Uh, it's the Second City Saints take it on Turmeric Storm, which isn't that a spice? I turmeric is a spice, yes. So they're spicy. They are spicy boys. Is Curry Man involved in this faction? I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, I don't think he's on this show, but you know, right. maybe he's pulling the strings from somewhere in Japan. Hopefully that's something we get in the future because it just seems like a match made in heaven to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Colt, first of all, the, the dynamic between Punk and Colt is just, especially in hindsight, yeah, Punk comes out, he has the AFI, he's has the X, he has the hoodie, he's looking down all ominously, and then... Her name was Lola, she was... <laughs> Punk trying it's... to look hard with Copacabana playing in the background he is the best. So upset. It's the best. And it's so funny, too, because as Copacabana is playing, Punk is still doing his version of the entrance. Yeah, he's, whole, he's throwing up the X, looking at the crowd. Oh, just... Oh, perfect. I guess, I guess what else is he going to do? He's not going to start dancing. But yeah, yeah, it's no. the struggle, the internal struggle within CM Phil is just fantastic to this day. Excellent. Um, but before the match, they just do this random cut to Great Muda in the backstage area where he <laughs> scares yeah. up the ring crew express. I don't know. I don't know. There was an intermission. You could have done it at the intermission. I don't know what this is about. It's like we know, Mood. We got the DVD. Like we saw him on the back of the thing. We know he's here. You've mentioned it a bunch of times. The Japanese press has informed us. Like we are here. It. They're in attendance. I don't know. Um, but that does Ray bring Mo- up an interesting point, though. That yeah. where I it's it sort of I'm so fascinated by this era of ROH and how hard they try to maintain the kayfabe that this is like an extremely professional production. Does that make sense? Where they're like, there's an office, there's a process to get things booked. We're Mm. throwing to the back. Like all, all the commentary was like recorded in post. Oh yeah. They're just like, Oh no, we're in our booth. We're in the arena. Uh, We're (laughs) physically there. Um, and now we're going to like as it like they're so dedicated to the idea that we're not watching an edited product like this is us watching a live broadcast, basically. And I thought that was like a fascinating mm-hmm. thing that they never really did let go of. They always did stick to that principle of, no, this is the show you're mm-hmm. watching the show. So you're telling me Gabe Sapolsky didn't leave commentary to go sit in the crowd and absorb this match? I mean, I hate to be the one to tell okay. you that wrestling is fake. Me, did I say Siri? What the hell did I say? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, I I guess not. I, I really, you really burst my bubble there. Santa Claus I'm sorry is real, to say. I, guess. I, was, I was looking for him in the the darkly lit crowd area. I couldn't find him, but. Here in the armory. <laughs> well, this is a match. So, uh, 
Ray Moore on commentary mentions, maybe you can tell me if this is true or not, that Hanma was the first guy to ever use a light tube in a match. You know, this is the first I've heard of it, but I actually would not be shocked. Hanma was like a part of that burgeoning deathmatch scene in Japan in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So entirely possible I could buy it. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I bought it. I mean, that's, that seems like a weird thing to make up. So yeah. who knows? Um, and Kazushi Miyamoto, who I'm, I'm not very familiar with, but I gave, I gave him a quick wiki search mm-hmm. and I scrolled down to his MMA record, which oh. is the most pitiful record I've ever seen in my life. So he's he's <laughs> oh, and one. His oh, my one, God. His one loss was an eight second knockout. So he, he quickly figured out that maybe pro, maybe scripted combat is more for him. Well, here we go. We have a match featuring two people who famously failed at MMA. <laughs> uh, well, some failed at sumo later, but um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not at Arashi yet, everybody. Yeah, everybody that's the main event. In. Yeah, okay. Um, this was fine. Yeah, it was... It was whatever. It was fine. It was, it was again, it's like a showcase. It's not, yeah. we're, we're not trying too hard. We're, um, I don't know. Cause again, I'm not super familiar with all Japan. D- how did you feel that the all Japan style meshed with the ring of honor style? If there was any like d- defined lines between the two, uh, you know, it's hard to call this particular time of all Japan as a, as its own style. Like, yeah. we had basically fully moved away from what King's Road was in the 90s. And they're basically just a company now. You know, it's not, there's no like grand uh, mm-hmm. defining aesthetic here. Um, they, ke- they kept mentioning uh, like, if those, if those Japanese guys came here looking for a vacation, they're not <laughs> in for no vacation. And you're watching the matches and it's like, I think they're there on vacation, yeah. my guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're giving uh, the National Armory in Philadelphia their best. Uh, um, no light tubes in this one, that's for sure. No, no. Um, but this was fine. Uh, the Saints, the Saints are basically just making the best of it. Like they're doing a lot of character work. Um, mm-hmm. I loved. There was a there's a spot that stuck in my head uh, where. Uh, Hanma hits Colt in the corner or some shit, and Colt barrels forward on the cell. Someone barrels forward and knocks out the other person. I think I think <laughs> Hanma actually barrels through Colt's legs and it drops Colt. It's just funny. <laughs> like it's small things like that where it's like uh where the saints find space to look like the buffoons for the baby faces. Mm-hmm. I always enjoy that kind of thing from tag wrestlers. Yeah, Cole Cabana, I, f- I feel like stood out to me more so than anybody else in this match because obviously he's very comedy centric. He's doing like the he tries to get CM Punk to do like the worm, the wave, double L. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he just does yeah. it himself. So yeah, like there's like moments like that, but then like the, the back half of it or like the back like third of this match was really hot. I thought where everybody yeah. just kind of kind of breaks down a little bit. You know, there's you know a point where everybody's like getting in the ring i think hanma hits a spear and then somebody else hits a lariat and then punk's doing a springboard and at some point they're all down so yeah some pretty good stuff towards the end of it uh and the plunge looks gross dude this one specifically so yeah cm punk hits the pepsi plunge on the hanma and i don't know if the phenomenal one the the, the well-known phenomenal one 
I don't know if he was expecting like a tiger power bomb or what, but he almost landed dead on his head from the top rope. And good yeah. Lord. Uh, starting a long tradition for Hanma, to be fair, of dropping right on his head. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he he eats. He fully eats it on that one. And it's a, it's about as great a finish as you could ask for for something that's otherwise mostly this tame, you know? Yeah, for sure. But um, yeah, so Punk wins with that. So the Saints win. So now we're 1-0. Ring of Honor is beating All Japan in the, uh, the series of four matches here to close out this show. Punk calls out Daniels at the end, so they're building to that. So the prophecy versus Saints. So there's some solid story beats here, and um, I don't know. We'll see if that. A lot of times, Ring of Honor they'll like start a good story, especially in the early years. They'll like, oh, something about something's about to happen. They're about to go to war, and then like nothing happens. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. But um, after that, we have another guy that's kind of phenomenal, I guess. Sometimes AJ Styles. Mm. Taking on Kaz Hayashi from Young Dragon fame, apparently. I'm not too familiar with that era of WCW. Sure. But uh, apparently he was a Young Dragons guy. Apparently, again, another little nugget from commentary. I guess Hayashi was the first guy to ever take a Styles Clash. They really hammer that one home, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, say what you will about ROH at this particular period, but they fucking knew what stories they wanted to tell you. Yep. And they made sure you guys knew the fucking story they wanted to tell you. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the match itself did follow through with that. I mean, AJ's going for this clash throughout the entire match. And then Hayashi's he, he, he'll either kick himself out of it or he'll back back body drop his way out of it. Eventually does get hit with a clash after, you know, a series of roll ups and a sunset flip and then a deadlift from AJ and then hits it. So uh, AJ ultimately gets the win here, but the match itself, I thought I thought it had a really good energy to it, and I was very yeah. entertained by it. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I know Hayashi's work mostly from Michinoku Pro uh, mm-hmm. when he was still under the mask as Shiryu. He was quite good in Michinoku Pro, and this was also a really good match. Um, man, every time I'm on this show, I feel like there's a, a point where I just have to say AJ Styles is a fucking freak of nature he's ridiculous this is far from aj styles's best match like i thought it was very good and but not like great or anything like no one has to like go out of their way but the Mm -hmm. physical things he does are insane like people talk about the styles clash and they think of like the setup right it's like a bit of a it's it's a sort of contrived setup you have to get your opponent up usually from a power bomb position, right? Like it looks mm-hmm. like you're going for a power bomb and you set him up that way. But the the ways that AJ just fucking hoofs people into place, like he's deadlifting dudes. It's off always a the struggle. Ground. He always he's yeah. always he always has to work for it, which I like. Yeah. yeah, it looks super difficult to do, and it always feels like such a feat. When AJ especially does it. And like the the thing, like he 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 was weirdly focused in this too. Like there was a section after he gets sent over the barricades, he does his cool oh no, no hands, no touching, yeah, no yeah. touching the metal. And uh he gets back in the ring and he just starts working over Kaz's middle section and back, like hitting some really gross kicks. Like that's not typically what AJ Styles is known for, but yeah, he was really crunching Kaz here, like with some 
like backbreakers to too. He he wanted he the strong style AJ style for sure. Here. Yeah, and he 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 always does it with like just this casual like of course i can do that like <laughs> i'm just the sickest dude and i can do all these things he's insane athlete is aj styles that that spin kick he did which you know everybody does Ooh. it it's like yeah you, you you turn you hit you do a spin you kick and then you land on your back mm-hmm. somehow he does this but lands on his feet i don't understand like and he hit him flush too you saw the sweat yeah. hit it was just just the intensity that he brought here, I thought. Yeah, was AJ Styles awesome. is one of those wrestlers who perfectly married the sort of flashiness of high flying, where you'll mm-hmm. get like the rotations and the spins and shit, but it's always super weighty, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't feel airy, where it's like, oh, they do a spin and he just kind of that. Took all the energy out of it. Like when AJ Styles lands on you, he's like fucking crashing down. There's intent the behind fort. it. Yeah. So AJ Styles, man. He's a gem. Yeah. I guess we covered, was it AJ versus X-Pac? I think we no, covered. I, I believe it was Jerry Lynn. It might've been Jerry. It might've been Jerry Lynn. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that, that era of TNA, AJ Styles was pretty similar to this. I mean, he was just, you could tell he was something special. And, um, yeah, I mean, just great stuff. Kaz Hayashi, I mean, he came to play too. I, I, I again, another guy I'm pretty unfamiliar with, but I mean, he was kind of had some um, Marafuji esque. Maybe it's just the aesthetic. I don't know if sure. it's the style really, but um, it was a pretty a fun cruiserweight style match. You have AJ doing that that spinning. People will do like a spinning side slam version of it, but he rotated him all the way to his back and did like a backbreaker on his back. Um, just things that are like even hard to describe with words he was doing. Just incredible. I did appreciate the Hayashi doing the head, the springboard because, you know, like Tajiri or whoever, you'll yes. do a handspring and then pop back into the elbow. But elbow. he does like a, a gut kick, which yeah. caught, caught me off guard, but looks so good. It's a nice little twist on it, too. And like commentary also like was able to point out like, oh, AJ was probably expecting the elbow. And that's why he couldn't see the kick coming. It's really Makes smart sense. stuff. I mean, the fact that they're able to call this stuff on the fly as it's happening is pretty incredible on the part of commentary, right? Live. In the moment, yeah. In the armory in Philadelphia. Mm. I mean, the energy. Let me tell you. Um, But speaking of energy, we got some Kojima on our hands. Kojima! (laughs) Lariat! Okay, so is that a Ring of of Honor reference? Or like, do they oh, have? A, have you, I, I'm not. I'm not super familiar with like what that comes from. Okay, but you know the meme. I, I saw the match. You've heard at uh at uh whatever that Forbidden Door. Okay, yeah, yeah. But so you saw like Punk say Kojima. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, um, it was never on an ROH show, uh, and it on the timeline hasn't even happened here yet, where the mm-hmm. public knows about it. It came out, um. Towards the end of 04, maybe start of 05, it was a shoot interview, shooting the shooting series mm. with ROH DVD, and it was CM Punk versus uh not versus with <laughs> Samoa Joe. Uh they were just chilling talking. And basically CM Punk tells the story that um he was in a car, they were on a, on some long car ride, and they decided to prank call Gabe Sapolsky before Final Battle 2003. And CM Punk did his homicide impression and basically told Gabe, Gabe, 
uh, I can't make it to final battle. They offered me a deal in Puerto Rico with all this money, so I have to go to Puerto Rico. I know it was Kojima. Uh, we were supposed to do the match. Kojima, Lariat, Lariat, <laughs> Kojima, Lariat. And then it apparently went on for like five, ten minutes, and Gabe was panicking that he was going to lose his announced final battle dream match. Until uh, <laughs> 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 until Punk revealed that it was him instead. He was the devil. He was Phil Brooks on the phone. <laughs> That's Gabe so was just, good. Yeah, Gabe was just losing his mind. I think I think I think Punk said that in the middle of the prank, he actually said, oh, "I won't be there. I'll be in Puerto Rico. This is actually Punk, Larry." And Gabe didn't yeah. notice. He was just still in a panic. Uh, but yeah, all about this match, Satoshi Kojima versus Homicide. Man. Awesome. That's uh, that's referencing the show, which is yep. outstanding. I need to watch. I always see memes and stuff of that shoot interview. I just need to sit down and watch it sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a great time. Um, But we got uh, Kojima taking on Homicide here as per, you know, CM Punk and his story. Um, So homicide comes out with uh low key and monster mac and you got kojima the kanma's out there and some other guys so they're building this up to be a big time match here uh homicide i mean 2003 ring of honor is homicide's the mvp for sure mm. it, it's it's a, it's between him and aj styles i think but homicide has been involved in so much like story heavy stuff as well as the good matches so um so Homicide's here, and then Kojima's here, which is you know, another guy I'm like vaguely familiar with. Um, but the match itself, I thought it had a, a good energy to it. I mean, there was one point where Homicide took a belly-to-belly on the f- concrete floor, and I don't know if yeah, he actually got... Yeah, what was that? <laughs> did he get knocked loopy or something? It t- felt like it took him a while to kind of recover, if he ever did. Yeah, I was trying to dig into it, because he... it like, ho- like, commentary was putting it over big, too, that, like, Homicide is, like, sort of messed up here. He's, like, a little slower mm-hmm. than usual, um, and I had, I really genuinely still now have no clue if he actually got knocked loopy or if he was selling. Uh, but yeah, that was a big turning point in the match about halfway through. Homicide basically lands on the top of his mm-hmm. head, doing taking a belly belly on the concrete. And then like right after, <laughs> Kojima hits him with a spine buster. And just the way Homicide like takes the bump, he like whiplashes his head onto the mat, which also, if he wasn't concussed before, he's got to be by that point. It was a very awkward bump from Homicide. Yeah, but outside of that, I thought it was a fun little match here. Um, I mean, Kojima's just got the charisma about him. I think yeah. at one point, he's, it's a classic spot where he's like choking Homicide in the corner and the ref's counting him down. He's like, I, I don't understand. I'm Japanese. Yeah. Which is just- <laughs> I think he actually says, I am Japanese. God damn it. It's so good. I don't uh, speak English. <laughs> yeah. Could you, again, again, this is sort of another one of those matches where I'm like, they came here to take a vacation and kind of fuck around yeah. and cash in a check and, you know, whatever. Um, Homicide still gets to hit his, like, absolutely beautiful Tope Con Hilo. To this day, I don't think anyone really does it like he does. Like the the mm-hmm. speed on the spin and everything, he's crazy. Um, one thing that I think lends a little credence to the idea that he might have been hurt is this gets like really weirdly repetitive at the end, where the we cutters. get like yeah, there's like yeah. three variations of block a lariat hit a cutter from both guys, and I couldn't tell if they really were just like this is our spot or if it's like. Mm-hmm. 
if we forgot where we were, we're course correcting or whatever. But yeah, so who knows? Yeah, there was there was a point where like somebody countered something, and I think it was supposed to be like a DDT, but then Homicide picked him up and just hit a quick cutter. So yeah, there was some some wonkiness towards the end here, but for sure. Ultimately, Kojima drops the elbow pad, hits Homicide with a lariat, hits a two count, hits him with another lariat, three count. So just a fun, fun little brutal finish there, just hitting him really hard in the head until he doesn't get up, which is what wrestling should be, in my opinion. Yes. So, um, yeah. Any other thoughts on that one? No, just kind of breezes by. Uh, the, the the people in the crowd were just there to see Kojima fuck around a bit, you know. Can't blame him. Can't blame him. Well, we got Jerry Lynn here for a second. If you would, if you blinked, you would have missed it. Do you like his promo? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that was the same energy that he gave in the promo. Absolutely. <laughs> huh? Pure title. Oh, that sounds like something that I'd like to be a part of. I completely it's- forgot he was around at this time. Like, I think Jerry Lynn ROH. I think like '09 uh early 2010s not even oh, no. like he was pretty yeah. much gone after 09 but yeah i totally blanked i'll never forgive him for being the one to beat nigel <sighs> that is that was certainly a choice <laughs> and it's all and it's all darren aronofsky's fault <laughs> yeah well it happens it happens it does Jer- jerry lynn's especially here. in roh yeah, Jerry Lynn wasn't, I don't know if he's wrestled in 2003 Ring of Honor, but he was there like in the very early stages, like some of the first shows. He had a match with AJ right. Styles that was solid, you know, nothing really crazy, but I guess he's coming back. So that's, that's a thing. Um, but then we're at our main event, the AGP, AJ, AJPW double world tag team title. Why is it a double tag team title match? It was a uh, the these belts are were unified in like the eighties, uh, so they're actually two unified tag team titles. And okay, so so the twenty years come out ago, belts. twenty years ago we unified them. Can we just like, hey, this is us? They're the tag team titles. No, <laughs> well, what are we doing some no, Roman actually, Reigns bullshit? I'm the Universal Heavyweight World WWE Champion of the Universe. But strictly speaking, strictly speaking, they're usually just called the World Tag Team Titles in all Japan. Uh, but it's the same concept as the Triple Crown, where it's like it's one title, but we're calling it a Triple Crown because it came from three belts, and that's just how it'll be till the end of time. You say yeah, so. Yeah, all Japan in like the '80s had a million belts, and at a certain point, they were just like, "We're just gonna consolidate a little bit right now." <laughs> I see. I see. Yeah. Well, uh, one half of the double tag team champions wrestled sumo wrestling in 1977. So. Whoa! I was not expecting that. Whoa! His career, his career <laughs> spanned from 1977 to 1986 in sumo. And he's here in 2003 as a champion. He's only 42 here, go. though, which that sounds way older <laughs> than it actually yeah. is. 42 yeah. here. He didn't look particular. I mean, he, was, he didn't look particularly menacing. Arashi. Yeah, I thought he was just of. one of those dudes who's born like 30. Like, I wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> yeah. Like and, Arn Anderson uh, or a bunch of other wrestlers who are just and, born 30. Because you, you always say Arn Anderson, Arashi, one in the same. Yeah, they those are two wrestlers often compared to each other, much like Abdullah the Butcher and the Great Muda. 
<laughs> for solving all of the great mysteries, all the great debates here. <laughs> glad, glad to do it. Well, oh yeah, Great Muda is also here. That's fine. Um, so it's Arashi and Great Muda taking on the prophecy, represented by Christopher Daniels and Dan Muff. And uh, again, I mean, greatest hits. You know, Muda's doing his Muda elbow. He teases the moonsault, but I don't believe he hits it unless I missed no, he it. He doesn't. He does not. This fight commentary is like, oh, Muda's knees are just destroyed. <laughs> this is 2003. That was, that was in 03, man. He stuck to it for another 20 years. He just retired as of recording this a few months ago. I was honestly shocked. That specific line you mentioned where they're just like, yeah, it's 2003 and everyone knows the great Muda's knees are completely destroyed. I was like, <laughs> he keeps going. Because <laughs> he was like, he was the main guy on Noah for a while, like recently, right? Wasn't he the Very world champion recently. there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was 2021 and he like fully beat Goshiyazaki clean as a whistle. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe, Muda, maybe. Muda, man, he knows how to, he knows how to, he knows where to find his bread. He does. Maybe he got those stem cells that Rey Mysterio got and just completely fixed his knees. Maybe. Nope. I'm sure he's, <laughs> oh no. Oh no. He's just <laughs> dilapidated. I yeah, see. He's just, he's just going for it, man. Just aged but, as you would expect in 20 years. Yeah, man, okay. Still, still living off the goodwill of 1989. It's amazing. Ah, those matches with Steve Austin and WCW are, uh, yeah. That's that's my extent of Muda, really. But um, but yeah, it's, it's fine. Yeah, Muda does his mist taunt, which is fun. You know, spits the green mist into the into the sky, and Daniels and Moff go running. Um, but you get the Muda doing the elbow, the moon salt tease, dragon screws attacking the leg. You know, figure four. Um, Arashi does some stuff. Arashi, this is one part of the match where he like goes after. I think it's Daniels. It's just so bear-like, like the way he like claws at him. It's like what Joe was doing, but yeah. less coordinated. <laughs> those are those are. I think those are actually um, those are actually sumo slaps. That like is, that, that will, is what that is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you'll see other formo sumo sumos turned wrestlers do it. You'll see uh, if we're talking about all Japan, Akira Tawe famously did those as well. I think Tenryu probably also hit it. They were they both also had sumo experience. Uh, did so that's did Earthquake ever do it? You know, honestly, maybe. He might have. <laughs> he and I love Earthquake. He's great. So probably. Um, he's, a, he's a man, not a shark. You know, you know, so. who was <laughs> you know, who is weirdly impressive in this is Dan Moff. Uh, yeah. I forget how like good, decent he was like those bumps he was taking for yeah. like, uh, I think it was Muda's. Uh, lock up uh, at the start or it may have been Arashi but he he was locking up with someone he was taking like big bumps for a big dude like getting mm -hmm. all tangled in the ropes and shit he had a lot of energy in this match very reactive to the baby faces and mm -hmm. uh his interactions with Daniels he, he I thought he actually came away with like the best performance here in this main event yeah I mean you gotta think Dan Moff you know at this point in his career being in the ring with great Muda I mean that's gotta be a yeah. tree and he's gotta be super excited i mean the first ring of honor show ever opens up with moth and monster mac who were the hit squad at the time and their whole thing was like we're super we're strong style we're as strong style as it gets so obviously a lot of the japan influence i'm sure moth is super excited 
Um, but... And he wanted to put on a good show for the Japanese media who are in attendance. Oh, were they there? Oh, they were there. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, Moth comes with a chair because the prophecy, they'll use weapons. They'll use outside shenanigans and tomfoolery. Hits Muda in the back with a chair. Ghost hit Muda in the head with the chair, but the mist blocks it. Red mist. The red the mist. Eyes. Yeah. No, that's poison mist. Correct. I don't know. They're they're all different. Like they're you, you all don't supposed know the hierarchy? to be different. No, man, I don't. I know I'm black sorry. mist is supposed to blind you, which I think so, and or make you pregnant. Well, if it's targeted. I yeah, guess. yeah, 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 yeah. Was that black like, mist? It might have been Black Mist that got that lady pregnant. I'm, Black I'm Mist thinking. gets you pregnant. I hope that's the headline of this episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> but nobody gets pregnant here, I don't think. I also oh, want no. to talk about this little like uh, timing mishap where the referee is supposed to be distracted in the corner so that mm. Muda can do the mist, right? Uh, right. But he wasn't expecting Muda to do a second spray. So by the time Muda hits the second spray, the referee's just like fully turned back facing and it's just like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Oh, man. Is the Mist illegal? Honor. It is illegal, yes. Is that considered yes. a foreign object? What if it's just... Can, you could spit in somebody's eyes. You can spit, but that's like on you, right? That's like within your body. The mist, I think it's Are you telling me the mist like, isn't conjured up from his body? I don't know. Who's to say? But it is sort of like, I guess, like a biohazard. It's like chemical <laughs> weaponry at play here. So it's a step beyond just spitting at someone. Right. So if you if you thumb through the rule book of pro wrestling, there's a section yeah, yeah. that's you know, hazards, chemicals. Spitting, yes. Mist, no. Right. Thumbs up, <laughs> thumbs down. I see. Yeah, yeah. I should have consulted it before I asked. That was a silly question. Um, but yeah, of course, Arashi, great Muda. They get the wind here after the mist and then the shining wizard. Uh, this is after uh, uh, Daniel's best moonsault ever misses. So fun little finish here. Fun little way to end the show. The all Japan guys stand tall. Muda's in the ring, which genuinely, I mean, probably the biggest get Ring of Honor has gotten at this point. I mean, they've had like Ravens and Jeff Hardy and things like that, but uh but abdullah the butcher was the, abdullah the butcher was there too which we've Correct. already we've already figured out that he was the bigger star so 100 percent. number two ain't bad though for all yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for all mudasan so i also <laughs> i also gotta mention punk was extremely funny on this particular match saying that he wrestled muda in a series in puerto rico um <laughs> <laughs> so good uh i miss having liars in wrestling Did liars he was lying <laughs> Yeah, just liars, the best. And um, when Daniels goes for the best moonsault ever, uh, old crooked moonsault punk says, <laughs> I think mine is better. So good. Uh, just the best. And he had a great line that he was hitting throughout the night where he said, um, uh, if I can't do it, it can't be done. I right. thought that was a really nice line. He was uh, getting over through the night. Because CM Punk is peak athleticism. That's what he's known oh, for. Yes. Famously, the crispest dude in any ring mm. is CM Punk. I mean, AJ Styles, who, right? I mean, AJ probably learned from CM Punk. I mean, I'm thinking. definitely figured out how to do the spinal tap from CM Punk, <laughs> yes. 
just picturing punk trying to do that, trying to figure out like which <laughs> way to spin. He probably goes backwards. Oh, it's whatever. yeah, no, no. I love punk. I love his work so so much. Um, I'll be the first to tell anybody that he ain't no uh, <laughs> crisp mechanic. That's not. <laughs> That's not what you're getting in for when you're watching a CM Punk match. Well, we're, we're, we are recording this the day before Survivor Series. Well, that's come true. Out a few days after. But I'm going to put you on the spot. Does he come back? No. Yeah, probably <laughs> not, right? Just, there's just no way. What are you guys talking about? Well, I if he does, believe. I'm leaving this in. I'm, you're going to look like a silly goose. That's true. I will look like the dumb one for right. thinking CM Punk is not showing up at Survivor. <laughs> hey, if it happens, it happens. I will be watching it. I will watch if CM Punk is there, but you know, I don't think it's happening. Is what I'm okay, saying. Yeah, got a lot of BJ Whitmer matches to brush up on. I'm sure. <laughs> you um, do. You really do. Unfortunately, I brush up on. I mean, they're forced down my throat, but you know, they get close once i'm there's an act where he gets close but no they they really do try he's the epitome of eh, you know he, so. he was certainly there look he's, like a, he, he's like a great athlete like he has a good look to him but he just comes yeah. out he walks very straight doesn't do anything he just kind of gets in the ring and you know, yeah you know, wrestle you kind of thing but well, i think the joke was like he was just like a bad Akiyama ripoff where he just tried to do Jun Akiyama's moves all the time. That's why he was hitting the exploders and shit. And I was uh, like, man, that is uh that is a comparison. You were doomed to fail, yeah. Mr. Whitmer. <laughs> it's almost Abdullah the Butcher Muda-esque in the comparison. Oh man. <laughs> well, well, that's the show, unless you have any comments on the Colt Cabana Good Times, Great Memories talk show. <sighs> man, the 2000s were weird, man. Like, <laughs> The whole bit is he can't stop looking at some lady's chest. Jesus Christ. <laughs> they, um, yeah. Becky Bale. Oh, man. You're lucky there was no special K on this show because Becky Bayless is always out there and commentary is like, oh, let's slut. Becky probably just had a bunch of sex with a bunch of guys before the match. <laughs> oh, man. This was uh, it was a time, y'all. I, 2003. <laughs> you had to be I, there. It. And the the idea that on the indies at the time, this thing with like Colt just ogling her boobs for like three minutes, super tame. Yeah. Far from the worst thing you will see on a indie DVD in two thousand three. Like, oof. Yeah. If you ever want to go time. back and watch O two Ring of Honor, oh man, the Christopher Street connection. You got man. guys scissoring each other. Like oh, actually. Geez uh lots of lots of good man times. if you if you ever got into like iwa mid-south tapes at this time <sighs> jesus good some stuff. of the some of the things people were saying like punk says some not good things on this show on commentary there's like a weirdly like transphobic comment about the mm. japanese press who are in attendance Yes. Uh, and he does drop a couple R slurs, which, you know, is unfortunately common among many Dude, people across the board. Because I'm also I'm watching the PWG shows oh in my this timeline God. as well. Every yeah. promo has a TNA even even let's yeah. put, like 2006. Like I just 
saw a promo of Christian calling Abyss a masked R. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it is, sticks man. around for way too long. It's pretty awful. But in yeah, hindsight, that's... maybe Jerry the King Lawler isn't so bad, huh? <laughs> just talking I about mean, puppies. No. In comparison. <laughs> and mean, in comparison. He is still also quite awful, but you know. Uh, yeah, it was it was a weird, weird time. And yeah, if you're if you're ever getting into this era of indie wrestling or just wrestling in general, that is a thing you have to be yeah. prepared for mentally. Well, you know, it's not awful. Is you, Joseph. Appreciate you wow. coming on once again. <laughs> what a segue. <laughs> they call me Segway Jones, really, on the streets. Nailed um, it. Nailed it. Boom. Stuck the landing. <laughs> Appreciate you coming on once again, checking out the show. Where can everybody find you and uh, read your stuff, listen to you, and all of your your goodness that you provide to the world? Yep, I do uh, the videos on youtube.com slash at Joseph Montecilio YT. Uh, I opened up a new website recently. That's josephmontecilio.com. That has all my reviews from my blog that I started in 2020. And including a lot of the back catalog that got removed from fanbyte.com. So I just basically preserved all my writing over there. Uh, and I'm posting a lot of new stuff. I've been writing a lot recently. And I think you guys might enjoy it. Right. And you do match reviews, right? I think I saw yeah. that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you every match striker match that I can conjure up. <laughs> and make, make you review all of them. <laughs> Hey, if anyone wants to make me review anything, it's $10 a pop on my Kofi. I'll start, I'll start a GoFundMe for that. That is there you go, man. something. <laughs> it's Kofi.com slash Joseph Montecilio. $10 a pop if you want to request a match. There you go. I get a discount if it's a bulk uh, selection of matches? You know what? We could talk about it. We'll talk, we we'll talk, could talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, thank you to Joseph for joining me on this show. Always a pleasure having Joseph on. Uh, go check him out. JosephMonticillo.com for everything you need about old JM there. Um, follow me at Apron Bump. All the social medias is the same. At Apron Bump. ApronBump.com for all the full episodes. All that shit. You know where to find me. You know where to touch me. You know where to kiss me tenderly and i think that about wraps her up thank you guys for coming on coming on coming on please don't come on me um man i almost i almost pulled this train into the tracks very smoothly and i i the, the bridge just crumbled under me and now i'm plummeting to the earth kojima <laughs> all right i'm gonna hit the stop on the record button thank you guys for listening and watching Appreciate you all. Big smooches all across your face. Mm-hmm. I'm hard. Yeah. It's a hard Talk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what hard is. Stand strong and proud of it. And I guess let's get started. It's the hardest. Talk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what hard is.